Welcome to Glitch Cube, we're a gaming podcast, and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. As always, I'm Christian. I'm Chris. And thank you so much for joining us again in this wonderful week here. Uh, we have a very interesting conversation ahead of us, I guess, right? <laughs> My brain is broken, but this is going to be interesting. That's what I'm trying to say, because this is a topic that we've kind of discussed for quite a while. It was actually on our list of things to talk about from early on when we were still doing like massive lists of things like that, which we will probably be getting back to. Uh, but it was one that we kind of forgot about for a little bit. And it's one that I think is really interesting in the realm of gaming and media, movies, or just really anything like that, right? Anywhere we're, we're creating stories or creating a sense of escapism for a, an audience or an individual. And that is the themes or tropes that never die. Right? It's these things that just keep getting reused over and over and over again. And while for some of it, and actually a lot of it, it still is really entertaining, right? It's, it hasn't fully lost that entertainment value, but for some of these topics or themes or tropes or mechanics, they've gone a little too far, right? They might've been mm -hmm. around for a little too long or we're just lacking in innovation to make them better or different and i think that's one of the big things that and in especially in video games that we fall for a lot is that there is such a lack of innovation for certain things and we keep you know praising the certain game developers that are not pushing the envelope I, that's why we love indie games so much right because they do push it they do try and genre bend and change things up a little bit instead of rinse and repeat but that's a whole another conversation there of <laughs> complaining yeah. about certain things, which we try not to complain about things too much here. But and that's on that note, too, this isn't really like us ranting and complaining about things. There might be some things that kind of rub us the wrong way, but, you know, it's we're we're here to try and push innovation and start that conversation. So why don't we just start out with one of the biggest tropes or themes in games that is everywhere it's been used over and over again it's probably one of the easiest themes to start a game off with and that is save the princess Ooh. <laughs> it's not even exciting anymore honestly but you know seeing it from mario from dragon slayer zelda like it's it's always the same thing where there is a damsel in distress and you know that idea has been around forever. Like in cinema, it's always, you know, the Lone Ranger saving the girl, right? Like it, that's not a rare theme. It's actually a very common one. And in games, it just doesn't really give us that much like oomph, right? There isn't that essential drive anymore that I have to do this or I want to do this or there's no excitement in the story. Or, you know, maybe there are some examples out there that are pretty interesting, but having just the damsel in distress that can't fight for themselves is kind of it's kind of lame that you know knight in shining armor coming through it's we've seen it we've heard it we've read it, it it we've played it let's get something else in there but i don't know there are some good titles like i said what's your take on the knight in shining armor or the save the princess theme that is everywhere not just in games 
I think in games, I think, you know, it could still work if it was not the main premise of the story. You know, when it comes to movies, shows, it's kind of like less exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I also don't feel like I see it too much anymore in television for the most part. But with games, it's like we still kind of see it here and there. But I think as time has gone on, it's become like a side story or a a small step in the story. You know, it's to me, I liked the trope back in the day with Zelda and all that kind of stuff. Like, I thought that was cool. You know, I was, I was a kid, you know, and it it seemed good. But it's like nowadays, it's just kind of weird you know it's you can only do so much to make that story interesting you know because it's like saving this princess or person it's like ultimately how like how has that changed the world you know it's like not if you, if you save them do you save the world like that this doesn't make sense you know with zelda it's like well they just kind of work to save the world right yeah and i mean <laughs> Maybe that's why I kind of liked Majora's Mask and some of the other Zeldas over... Like, I loved Ocarina Time, don't get me wrong. But when you look at the other ones, it, it made the game really interesting because it, it didn't have that trope, mm-hmm. you know? And, yeah, I'm, like, trying to think of a recent title that really has that as the main focus. And... I think nowadays, instead of a princess, they try to make it something else. You know? Like Not an like item or something, right? Yeah. And I mean, that kind of makes sense, too. But it's also overdone. You mm-hmm. know? Like, I'm not going to sit here and complain and tell all the things I hate about modern storytelling. But, you know, you really think back and saving the princess, saving someone that's, like, one of the pillars of storytelling you know it's like either like romeo and juliet kind of story i I know there's a few different examples that everyone takes from and i remember we spoke about that i think in a different episode Mm -hmm. but it's it's definitely not interesting to me anymore you know it's just there's nothing like noteworthy about mm-hmm. the topic. Unless someone came in, spruced it up, made it different. That'd be kind of cool. But I feel like they would have to do a lot for that. It It's hard to really get excited about a game that has a character that can't do anything for themselves. Yeah. Right? Like, that's not something common anymore. And like you mentioned, in films and video and shows, like, that's not really, like, as common anymore. The The quote-unquote princess or person that you know is being saved is able to at least do something like they they fight back for them yeah they 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 fight back or they you know manipulate they they there's something there that makes it exciting that but having just the helpless individual just there it's like uh, okay and then you know like chasing them from map to map and all that stuff it's like all right man like i get it and it's it's kind of funny too because like I I recently played or and went through Mario Odyssey finally right like very mm-hmm. late to that game, 
And the whole time I was just like, eh, you know, like I wasn't really into it. It was fun, but like I, I was really into the mechanics. No, I didn't give a crap about like the story. For one, yeah, it's one that we've heard story. a million times, right? But like for two, it's like just he was saving Peach in that too. Yeah, he was trying to save Peach from Bowser. Oh, I don't remember that at all. I yeah. just remember trying to fill up your little blimp. Yeah, uh, the whole point was that he was traveling to the various worlds to save Peach from Bowser because oh, right. Bowser kidnapped her in the very beginning to marry her to force him to force her to marry him. And at the end, it did have that nice little trope at the end where it's like, well, I'm I don't want to marry either one of you. I'm just friends. Right. So like Peach did have like some sort of final say that was kind of like Nintendo's way of modernizing the Save the Princess story. But it wasn't like enough, especially after seeing Peach in games like Smash Brothers. Right. Where like she can fight back. Right. Like Mm -hmm. she's actually has a moveset. Why not give Peach in the Mario games? a moveset like that, right? Like, why not make it interesting that way where you play a level as Peach, right? And maybe it's like a really floaty level or something like that, you know? Like, that could be really fun, actually. And it could be, like, sure, like, you play one level as Mario, you know, fighting or trying to get to Peach, and then the next level is Peach trying to escape the castle itself. And maybe it always ends with her, you know, getting captured again or, you know, some other trouble faces her. But that would be pretty interesting, right? Like, maybe as Mario is trying to find Peach, Bowser lost her because she escaped. So now they're both, like, trying to get her, but Mario still thinks that Bowser took her, right? Like, it could be, like, a really weird story where the princess saves themselves in the end and i mean that would be exciting that would be different right it would give like new life into that genre i think that's why i like mario rpg a lot because peach can fend for herself you know like that's another mario it made her like a very interesting character and you know i'm thinking about it now and i feel like mario maybe gets a pass on this just because a lot of people play Mario for like the world and like the themes and the, the setting. Mechanics, yeah. I feel like most people nowadays kind of like, oh, we're gonna save Peach, okay. But at least it takes us on a a colorful, pretty journey. And I think mm-hmm. that's where like I'll play every Mario game that comes out just because you know it's always a fun time. But I don't play them for the story. I mm-hmm. mean, the one Mario game that tried to take itself seriously, the Mario and Rabbids. <laughs> I, I can't yeah. take that story. I mean, you know, yeah. it's like they try to do something different. It's a good game, like mechanically, but the story, I was like, eh, I hate rabbits, but I like the XCOM style. And I've never liked the aesthetic of the rabbits. Oh, yeah. It's, I think I'd rather watch the minions. Oh, God. Yeah, I'd no, rather be 100%, a gentle minion. 100%. I'd rather watch a minion movie than be like look at rabbits because they look gross. <laughs> I'm just going to say. Yeah, I do. Like, it's weird that they're still around, but hmm, it's it's a it's a tough it's a tough one to really like get around, right? And it's a tough one to really modernize, I would say, because it's yeah. it's a classic like fairy tale, right? They're taking a classic fairy tale and making a game out of it, and you know maybe we are picking on Mario too much because it's Mario, right? Like you said, they they pretty much do get a free pass at that because. They might not push the story, but they do push the mechanics themselves. They push the environment. They push all those things. And like Super Mario Galaxy was 
awesome. Like that was really cool with the 3D worlds and all that stuff, the crazy upside down stuff. Like that was really, really cool and really innovative. And I feel like that pushed that game genre forward, but it still had the classic story behind it. Like it had that basic bare bones framework, right? I think so. when... I look at like a good save the princess story, even though it's not the full story. I think of Final Fantasy Nine, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, the beginning of the game, you realize, oh, Garnet is a hottie. I want to save Garnet from, um, you know, the the queen, right? So you try to you queen save Bellheim, the princess. Right? You think, huh? Queen Belheim, right? Bell. I think it's. I think it's Belheim. Oh, the right. queen. Yeah, I think or the person. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I love that because like, you think that's going to be the plot of the story. Like, oh, I'm going to save the princess and make sure she's safe. And then like all this other shit happens. And you're like, whoa, like mm-hmm. this game went off the deep end. But it was cool because, you know, it started with a very simple trope and then just took it somewhere totally different. And I think nowadays I like that where like, oh, you have to save this one person, but it's just a small se- like segment. And it's kind of cool. Right. It's a good like entry point, right? And like you said, that is probably like the first like 25% of the game, right? To get people really vested. But by the time that that story changes or takes a flip, right? Like it, you're vested in it. You're, mm-hmm. You love the characters and the story, the setting. You want to know what else happens. So I think that's a very interesting way of doing it where you start with a very common trope just to get people excited and get them in the door, right? And then once they're in, then you flip them, right? Like you make their head spin for a second and you change the story up and you make it what they weren't expecting. And I think that makes it really like memorable too because it's something new, it's something different. And that might be the best way of doing it actually. And Final Fantasy IX is a great example of that. I didn't even think about that. Speaking of Final Fantasy IX, um, a trope that has really bugged me for, oh my god, years now. Uh, ever since the the shift in the storytelling in these kind of games. But modern JRPGs, they, you know, it's, I think back to the greats, right? The Super Nintendo era, the PlayStation 1 era, even PS2, right? They all <clears throat> had deep, dark stories, you know, it you could argue that one of the tired tropes in that genre is you start out weak and then you fight God, right? Everyone always mm-hmm. says that. But something that I've noticed about modern JRPGs is that a lot of new ones, not just fan service the hell out of it, mm. but they almost, it feels too weeby and I say this as someone who really enjoys anime a lot. They just seem very simplified. Uh, yeah. And you could argue, oh, because modern games, you can simplify a lot of things that, you know, people don't have the time that they did back in PlayStation 1 era. You know, you think back to Final Fantasy IX or um, any of them from that era, Wild Arms, all of that, like, RPGs, like you had to oh, devote man, your time. Wild Arms is great. Huh? Wild Arms is great. It was cool. It was different, you know? Yeah. And 
I get it. You know, people don't have all the time in the world to just sit there and grind and all that. But some of these modern ones have grinding too. It's just, I don't want to say, oh, the games are too colorful and bright. Because, you know, there's some colorful ones that do look great and they play well. You know, I think for me, you know, looking at games that just came out, I really enjoyed the first Xenoblade Chronicles a lot. I liked how, even though it was kind of bright-ish the way it looked, story was pretty dark and it was good like it felt mature to i would say like you know a person in their early 20s and i'm comparing this to saying like think about like vagrant story or like an older rpg where it's like oh this is like a 30 year old kind of person like storytelling but Mm -hmm. the first xenoblade was cool i liked it um and then you know number two comes out and This is coming from someone who has played it, and I know people say, oh, you got to get in further till it gets good. But it's just kind of annoying when it's like, oh, here's some, like, big titty, like, waifus, you know, and they just throw it all at you. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with, like, having, like, attractive-looking models, like, in the games. But when you make that kind of your selling point to really push these party members or, you know, you look at Persona where it's like, oh, I'm going to get in this relationship with someone who's not an adult. And it's like, like, it's just that kind of stuff is weird to me. And Mm -hmm. granted persona is a little different because it is from an older era as well, but it, it really adapted a lot of these new era, like kind of ideas with their games. And I'm trying to think of the most recent JRPG I played where it didn't really have these tropes. I would definitely say maybe like Square Enix RPGs don't really have those kind of issues. You know, you look at Bravely Default 2. They have it less. Which which one? Yeah. Uh, I would say that they have, like Square Enix ones have it less than most, you know, JRPGs out there. Like, I mean, if you look at Final Fantasy X2, you know. Yeah. Or Ten Two, like that's a little me. But besides that, I'm thinking a lot of like when you look at like Bandai Namco's games or NIS America or even I don't want to say Atlas. Atlas, that's kind of a different beast. But a lot of these other ones, it's the games all kind of have the same kind of very strong emphasis on an anime type story. But Mm -hmm. they try to like throw this fan service stuff in there and it's just i don't know it's kind of weird i don't want to say oh i'm a boomer i like my story super dark you know i i like cheerful stuff too on my games but it's just kind of i don't know it and i've spoken to quite a few people in like rpg groups and you know we all agree it's like rpgs have kind of gone downhill in a sense um Mm -hmm. i do like how xenoblade chronicles 3 looks i feel like they kind of turned it back around to what the first game was um but it's just i don't know i i've tried so hard to get into a lot of modern jrpgs and it's just like they almost all feel the same in that sense and it's i mean they do the same trope fight god and all that kind of stuff which is you know nothing wrong with that if you can pull off a good story but sometimes the stories are super convoluted you know, I like a game that is 50 hours, but if it's going to be boring, 
you know, halfway through it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Or just nonsensical. Right? Yeah. That, that's a big thing with a lot of JRPGs where the story just doesn't make sense. You're just like, okay, like here's an 80 hour game, rad. Like I'm all for it. Let's do this. It's worth the money and everything, mm-hmm. right? And then whenever you really like get into it, it's like, oh, like this is maybe a 10 hour game, but 70 hours of, I don't know what the story is. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like it's almost like whenever people are trying to make or like make sense of the Kingdom Hearts story. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, good luck with that, you know? So it, it's it's weird, but I, I I totally get you there with like the JRPGs and stuff like that. Like it it always is funny to me that you start out not just weak but a child, mm-hmm. right? And now this child has to fight God and save the world. And it's like okay, like sure, you know, like it's very uh, shonen, but, but it's like it's yeah. weird when like when I think shonen, I'm thinking like you know My Hero Academia. I'm thinking of DBZ. Like I'm thinking like stories where you're like the lone hero right but when you're in a game where you have party members who are equally helping you it just feels weird yeah you're not a lone hero anymore it's that team that's leading the front right like it needs to be changed around but i will say like one thing about my hero which i think is interesting that they did because i just love my hero Mm -hmm. academia so i would like to talk about it for a little (laughs) bit please uh (laughs) is that they are kids, right? Like, and they are going to be the number one heroes in the future. But I like the fact that in the show, they are not the best. Mm. They are not the strongest. Like, they often get their asses kicked and have to be saved by an adult <laughs> who's been doing this for a while, you know? Like, it, they're just kind of living through it. And even in the story or in the intro, like, Midoriya mentions, you know, this is the story of how I became number one. Right. Like it's not just, oh, like this 10 year old kid is now all of a sudden bestowed with these powers and is a god amongst men. No, like there's a lot to it and it often needs to be helped out by senior heroes. And I think that that should be in some of these games, I think, especially like these Final Fantasy games where like, sure, you might be like the chosen one or eventually you will be the hero of light. But as a kid, you're not that hero, right? Like, so you're going to need help. And to really, like, play up that fact that, like, no, you need help. It wasn't just you. It was the whole team that made this thing happen, right? Like, that would be really interesting. And kind of, like, going off that tangent a little bit, like, mentioning Hero of Light, that is another thing that I feel has been used and abused like, like crazy. hero kind of thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where it's, like, chosen hero, like... You've been chosen by the wind crystal and now you must save the world, you know, like cool. <laughs> right. I mean, even it even Digimon has that with the Digi Destined and all that stuff. Like there's always this like weird idea of destiny made this happen. Yep. It wasn't the hard work that went into it. It wasn't that like you can work your way into being a hero, quote unquote, right? Like you have to be predestined to be this hero in order to make things happen, right? And I think that kind of sucks, right? Like, that doesn't give a story that is 100% relatable to anybody. Like, you can go then into, like, backstories and show that they had, like, a rough upbringing and all this stuff, but when you really boil it down, like, no matter how hard their life was, they were predestined for this sense of greatness. 
they never had to worry like you know theoretically they never had to worry about life because it was always going to turn out as them being the heroes and the saviors of humanity right like it is kind of like a weird thing to think about and it, it sucks like it would be nice to have a story where no it's just some hard working dude that wanted to change things for the better and just persevered and pushed through like that would be an interesting jrpg story mm -hmm. right like not some oh deity coming down and talking to you while you're sleeping telling you hey you're gonna do great things and you have my powers now so go do these things right like no what if someone like actually legit earned that stuff right and like legit went out there and did the work <laughs> to become a hero like that's more interesting that would be i would play that that'd be cool i would like that and i feel like i have come across games like it it's just so easy to get overshadowed by the whole chosen one you know because that's mm -hmm. something that even plagues like western rpgs right like you look at skyrim or any of them like your character is like picked to save the the universe or the map or the world you know and it's just like mm -hmm. or like fallout right like you are the last savior of or i mean last survivor and you know you're gonna do great things I, I, there's always like you are the last or you are the one right like there's not why can't it just be like some guy that's like hey i'm not gonna stand for this this isn't cool yeah i'm gonna fight i mean i guess you could say fallout 4 was kind of like that because you just were just another person leaving the vault because i know in three you do have some kind of destined story with a character without getting too much in the spoilers mm -hmm. but with four i remember it's like oh you're just a dude that woke up from the vault now you can investigate and stuff like that and i mean granted four wasn't the right. best but it was kind of different and i liked that aspect of it where you didn't feel like you were destined at all for any mm -hmm. of it but it's just hard because so many rpgs pick that chosen hero and Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it's done right. You know, it, if it, especially if it's like where it's just you, like say Skyrim or something where it's like you're the lone player and you're the chosen one, it makes sense. Because it doesn't make much mm -hmm. sense. Like if you're the chosen one and you have your little party with you, how are they like just as strong as you? Like, why do you have to be the chosen right. one when your whole party kicks ass? Like, or even stronger where you don't want that member in the party like, anyway. Yeah. Right? Like, like, it's, it's weird and this kind of brings up another trope that i feel like you don't see it as much anymore but it's there is the protagonist mm -hmm. amnesia oh, okay. um or this yeah <laughs> like i'm not gonna bag on silent protagonist because we already talked about that before in a different episode but mm -hmm. the amnesia is just like <laughs> come up with something better and why do they have to forget i i thought the most enjoyable one, I'm, I can't remember what it was. It was a recent game, though. They used it as a play of like, oh, this is how we're going to teach the tutorial to you. And I was like, you know what? I kind of like that because so many times in games, you know, your characters just know it all, right? Like they know how to fucking solve the world's problems, but yet they don't know how to open their menu. Right. Or they don't know how to jump over a ledge. And I'm just like. Or just do a basic attack. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I like if you make the character like totally like, you know, have amnesia, it, then it makes sense that they have to relearn that. But 
there's so many times where like the character just doesn't know what's going on and it just doesn't make sense, you know? And Mm -hmm. I, a lot of times, I mean, this does kind of play into where they could easily use the silent protagonist, but I miss RPGs, especially where the main character, I don't want to say is a dick, but I kind of miss the days where the main character was not so <laughs> nice. You know, I look at uh, Ryoto from uh, Grandia 2, and he's just a complete jerk to people. Yeah. And I'm like, this is kind of great because he doesn't take shit. And I know there's a bunch of other games where characters are like that. And it's so rare. And I'm just like, man, it's kind of funny when your character's rude. I don't know how well people could really pull it off nowadays because they'd have to watch themselves to an extent. But I thought it was kind of funny because, you know, it makes them sound like they know what they're doing and they just stand out because Mm -hmm. I don't know. The whole amnesia thing is just a weird concept to me because it's like, imagine you wake up, you don't know anything around you. And now you're destined to save the world on top of it. It's like, what? It, 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 it's yeah, so no. stupid. And I know both of those usually go hand in hand. And I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, that that's definitely one that I feel doesn't happen too often anymore. But it definitely was abundant at one point. Oh, yeah. Like, that was our whole childhood. Yeah. I feel like every other game had that in it where it's like, okay, another amnesia character. Like, I, I actually really like it. The, like, there's another way of doing the amnesia stuff that actually makes sense, right? That is very clever. Um, and I always liked it whenever it's like you get transported transported to a new land mm. or a new time, right? And then now it's like, okay, that makes sense that your character wouldn't know how to interact in a situation like this now. Right. So that's why the tutorial makes sense. That's why this play, you know, right. Like if if you get sent to another world or another dimension, it doesn't mean that your dimension is going to work the same way. Right. So having that whole like you don't have amnesia, you just don't know what the hell is going on. And I think that's very clever and a better way of doing it. Um, But it's the same concepts. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just another way of getting it where you make the the character clueless so the tutorials doesn't feel like it kind of redundant or silly right where it makes sense that you're going to be learning these things slowly or that your character is at a low level or anything like that right like i always thought that was interesting too you know where if you start a game and you are the hero of light and you're level one (laughs) right it's like oh like okay cool thanks Thanks, deity, for this wonderful boon of a wooden sword. <laughs> That's the thing. I'm like, okay, this person grants you the power, yet you're starting out at level one. And it's like, why do I have to go on this huge journey when, if I'm destined, why can't yeah. I just kill it right away? Like, I know some games yeah. have kind of played that off well, where, like, you you start off the game powerful, and then you lose to the boss, and then you lose all your power. And I'm like, okay, like that, that's a little better. I, I can get down with that, right. you know, because then you're like. Like the bi- the boss siphons the energy from you or something, right? Yeah. That could be interesting. But 
like you said, like if you are destined within the first two hours of the game and you're barely level 10, it's like, what? Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It, I, I think it would be kind of cool if like the deity was like, I will grant you my power, but you have to prove that you're worthy of mm-hmm. it. Right. And then that becomes like a late game action where they give you your power, you know, Mm -hmm. but that all your actions leading up to that point where you like going through the grind, getting stronger, showing that you have the heart and the will that they thought you had, you know, like that would be uh, different, I I would say, instead of it just being like, here's my powers. You have level one blizzard now, (laughs) (laughs) like, shoot, like, what about Blizzaga? Come on, give me, (laughs) you know, like, I know you got it. You're a god. <laughs> I'll take that holy, please. No. Like it's it's very I don't know, it's tough. And it is a tough one to really do because like what game is exciting whenever you're at level one hundred already, yeah. right? From the beginning. It's like that's not exciting for a player because it doesn't feel like you're doing anything. There's no reward factor there. So you have to create those natural like progressions there as far as leveling up and stuff like that, going through that struggle to keep the game challenging, to keep it interesting. But it's, I don't know, like that would be kind of cool to be like, maybe it's a deity that is weakened, right? It got weakened by the big bad. So it gives you the remainder of its power, but like you don't start at level one, right? Like maybe you start at like level 50, mm-hmm. right? Like you're halfway there to being that that godlike figure that can take down the beast, that can destroy the the big bad, you know? So you have some high-level spells, but then it makes sense that those next, like, the higher-level spells are locked out to you because it was just a small portion of that deity's power because it was, went through the fight or something. You know, like, the, there's other ways of doing it that could be pretty cool. And it would be nice to, like, start a game with a pretty rad spell like Flare or something like that, right? Like, that actually means something. Not, like, a cure that does 20, right? Yeah. Like... Saying, uh, cool. <laughs> I can't get hit by this, you know, pig anymore <laughs> that keeps ambushing me in the field or whatever. Yeah, it's like, I feel like if they, if people really wanted to, like, push that point, like, say, yeah, start at level 50, you know, granted you would have to raise the level cap or make it oh, yeah. really different, but it's like, okay, I start out with some cool spells, and obviously... I want to go through the rest of the game still leveling to like say level 100 so you don't feel like totally I don't know weak but mm-hmm. um I don't know that'd be that'd be a cool idea idea but uh yeah, I don't really see people doing that at all no. regretfully and it's kind of a shame it would be it would be different it would be nice it'd be nice to see so uh kind of changing the the i guess mindset or thought process here as far as you know things that are being outdone what about some genres that have been outdone and just kind of abused over the years and i know of a couple (laughs) off the top of my head already you know but like one of the big ones i would say is roguelikes yeah roguelikes are everywhere man and it's and uh, you can like yeah sure they are fun Right. They are very entertaining games because the formula makes sense. It's really easy to get into. You don't have to really explain the rules every single time, which is nice. Right. Mm-hmm. But it, how many do we need? Right. It, it's, 
it's kind of crazy. And, you know, like, and what my big, like, I guess my big gripe with roguelike games is the lack of innovation or the appearance of lack of innovation. Like, sure, there are a couple really big standout games out there. Like, you know, Hades. Hades is fantastic. It's a great game. It's a great title. Spelunky, really, really good. Mm -hmm. But when you break it down, the formula is still the same, but they were able to do it in a very interesting way. They had to push the envelope as far as the the theme, the art style, stuff like that, right? Spelunky did it with the actual environment itself. It was a very different type of, you know, roguelike than we're used to, which is really cool. It's really, really fun. Power-ups are interesting, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like, what what are we doing to really push that? And and I, I, I do have a question for you because I'm really curious about this. Like, what roguelike do you think has been the most innovative out of like this whole plethora of roguelikes that we've oh, had. Oh God. I know that's like a really lot like whole like how how do how do we answer that, right? Where do we even begin? But really like try because I was thinking about this for the last couple of days where what roguelike really changed the game up. Really, really went that extra mile. And when it I when they all got boiled down, they all were just the same game. Just different skins. I think we're different art styles. For me, if we're looking at like what how it changed from like the original like Rogue or um, uh, that one other game, Quad or it, it, I'm trying to remember. It's been a long time since I remember looking at some of the older ones where you know it's roguelites in the beginning were those tile based games where your character moves everyone else moves one square right um mm, yeah and that's how it was for a long time and there's nothing wrong with that i played dungeons of dreadmore like a lot like i loved it and cadence of hyrule right that's oh fun. yeah that too and it's i think from that point of view i think the first innovation that kind of came from that in a roguelite were mystery dungeon games because it's pretty much the same thing but kind of simplified i think the first innovation that we saw in roguelites especially in modern time was maybe like binding of isaac because it really brought that like room-based adventure that took away the turn-based part of it but made it more of an action roguelike and i think that game kind of pushed the idea in the people's minds like, hey, this this genre can be more than just tile-based adventures, right? Like, this can be mm-hmm. fast-paced. And, you know, there's a lot of roguelites out there that have added some differences, you know? Like, there's a lot of copycats to that style, especially the Binding Isaac style. But, you know, I think about, like, Rogue Legacy, where, like, every time you die, you have a certain pros and pluses with what character you're going to get or you know Hades where it's like taking the the roguelike style that has a progression based system because a lot of them don't have progression based systems you know you start off from scratch and that's it but the thing I liked about Hades was that it took that progression side of it and just not only added a bunch to it it actually had a story that kind of played on you dying and advancing the story which mm-hmm. i didn't really see that in other roguelites you know you look at binding isaac and it did have a little story but it wasn't like 
anything deep. And I was a sucker for these kind of games. I remember Binding Isaac was one of the first ones. Um, when I had a long break from gaming, that was one of the few games that got me back into it. And I was just addicted to those kind of games, you know, all the kind of roguelikes, turn-based, all of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, a few stand out, but I just remember like that, like 2013, 2014 era, there would be like five new roguelikes every week, it felt like, or every month. And I'm just like, they do throw a lot at you and not many of them are different. You know, I, I think the latest innovative one we've seen is probably Hades just because it's done on such a like grand scale like it feels like a triple A game with the amount of polish it has even though it's not um you know and you could you could argue that some people have taken the rogue like reset kind of idea and have innovated it like say Outer Wilds where you know you have your 20 minutes in the world before it explodes right and there is that Mm -hmm. progression system that you write in your notebook so like you kind of feel like you're advancing but it or like returnal even returnal yeah i always forget about that one but it's it's interesting how people have taken the roguelike mechanic and put it into other genres and i think nowadays that's what i like i don't really care so much for like a true roguelike too much but when games at that style it adds the arcade aspect of a roguelike and i think Mm, that's what a lot of people like about roguelikes because it does feel like an arcade game you know like back in the day you spent your quarters you die you're out of quarters you have to start completely over again and with a roguelike, you die, you start over. For the most part, you don't have anything that carries over. So it's that repetitive, oh, I'm going to make it this time. I'm going to do it. And that's mm-hmm. why adding it into different kind of games, like, say, Returnal or Outer Wild, stuff like that, I really like that aspect. Even though it sucks to start over, it it keeps you coming back. It's addictive. Right. And it's crazy to think that we've had Rogue games since 1980. Yeah. Like, that's when Rogue came out. You got to think about that. Like, just just let that soak into your brain, listeners. Like, that's crazy. We've been having roguelike games for 42 years. Yeah, it's one of the older, years. older genres. Yeah. yeah. And, it you know, as much as, like, a lot of people like to you know, kind of go on that train of like, oh, there's too many. It's the same thing. And I, I feel that, you know, I, I totally understand that. We get a lot of copycat games out there. We get a lot of the same thing, just rinse and repeat. But that was kind of the heart and soul behind Rogue itself. That was the uh, original appeal to it, I would say, because during that time, gaming wasn't that huge. It was still kind of like an underground thing, I would say, right? Like, and a lot of these games were developed in colleges and shared amongst, you know, computer science majors and stuff like that. So the guys who made Rogue, it was Michael Toy, Glenn uh, Witchman, and Ken Arnold, they actually released the source code for everyone, like for the people who enjoyed it. Like they wanted people to look at it, to pick it apart, to do something with it, to play with it. And it that's actually really, it's an interesting thought, right? And 
that's probably why we have so many roguelike games or why that's even just a genre now. Like, how crazy is that? It's, an entire genre is based off of a single game. And we see that a lot more now, right? With the Souls-like or even Metrovanias, right? Like, it's that's a, a very commonplace thing here. But it it's commonplace to us now. But thinking about it back then, like, they invented an entirely new genre style. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really impressive. It's really, really impressive. Very interesting to, you know, kind of appreciate and to just think about for a second there. i mean just wanted to think about give them their time that era like it was basically ascii look you know like it was very like just hashtags dots and lines yep dwarf fortress yep don't know what the hell's going on on the screen but you know yeah but people knew like they learned and look how it is now you know it's to me it's one of the most fascinating genres to really see the evolution of you know, even yeah. though playing those old ones is pretty hard if you're so used to playing the modern ones. I know I kind of have a mm-hmm. difficult time with them, but there's well, there's no hand holding at all yeah. either. Right? But there's a lot there if you learn it like a lot. Like I know Dwarf Fortress, mm-hmm. like I knew um, someone I worked with was very into it to the point where it was kind of scary. And they were like, you know, they'd play it every day and they'd be like, oh, this scenario happened. This happened. I'm like, how the hell does all that happen? Like at different times in the game, because I'm like, the game looks so basic, you know, but Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a reason why people still praise that game to this day. They still think it's one of the more innovative games to ever be made. It's fascinating. Well. I think that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for listening in. Really appreciate all you guys out there. And I do have to harp on this. Episode 100 is right around the corner. We're about three episodes out from it. So that's about three weeks. And we are looking for questions. Thank you so much for the people who have submitted questions already. We really appreciate you. But we're going to be posting more on social media to gather some of your guys' questions, your comments, what you think, and just all that fun stuff. And, you know, ask us anything you know podcast equipment favorite games all that stuff whatever you're interested in it doesn't even have to do with games who knows right anything you guys want we are open books uh with any reason be appropriate yeah (laughs) but yeah anyway with that it's a pretty big deal you know like we're excited it's gonna be a lot of fun and it's crazy to think that we're reaching a hundred weeks straight it's crazy this show has never missed never missed a week that's nuts but yeah with that it's gonna do it for us uh and we will talk to you all next week until then bye for now